You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They've put on a whole bunch of amazing metal shows throughout the year, and they also put on one of North America's best, biggest, and coolest metal festivals called Heavy Montreal. Trust me, I've played festivals all over the globe and Heavy Montreal is right up there with the best of them. I am super stoked to have them as a part of this podcast. On today's episode, I am with Bruce Lamont of Yakuza, Corrections House, Circle of Animals, Bloodiest, and he is also a part of the Led Zeppelin II tribute band. Here it is. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 181. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Bruce Lamont of Yakuza. He is also part of a Led Zeppelin tribute band called Led Zeppelin 2. He's in Brain Tentacles. He's a part of the Corrections House. He's a part of Circle of Animals and Bloodiest. He is a very, very busy man, and I am impressed that he has time to sit down with me tonight. So uh, how are you doing, Bruce? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, let's start simple. How have you been coping with 2020? Well, 2020 actually started off pretty well. Uh, you mentioned the Led Zeppelin cover band, Led Zeppelin 2. That's kind of my, uh, I would call that my other day job. Um, and we got out and did two full tours, uh, all through January and February. We hit all the East coast, the Midwest, we hit the West coast and got home around February. Well, we got done around February 22nd. My girlfriend and I went and visited Joshua tree for my birthday's the end of February. It was great. Everything was going well. Um, I had some work in Texas that was going to come up in March. And then next thing you know, life just stopped. (laughs) Literally, March 15th or 16th, everything just, you know, all of these opportunities, their shows, and I I mean, all the other bands had shows as well, too, and everything just kind of just, you know, just kind of stopped, and uh, the shelter-in-place thing went into effect here in Chicago, and, uh, you know, like everybody, I think we all just figured out what to do with ourselves um, throughout all of that. Um, I I continue to work. Uh, A friend of mine owns a pizzeria, and deliver some pizzas for him. Um, Yakuza, uh, as you mentioned, one of my bands, we've been working on a new record for the past couple of years. And we're this year, we're really, we're almost, we're, we have 10 new songs. We're like right there. We were right, right actually right with Shelter in Place. Right? We're, we're, that's where like, we, it was a real critical time for us to like continue to get together. So we decided to shelter in place together. We talked to our significant other ones and, you know, we kind of like formed our own little like band bubble, I guess. And we, continued to uh, rehearse and work on things, you know, with the understanding that we were doing this. Our, like I said, our, our significant others, our families knew and everybody was cool with it. So that was our little band bubble. So we continued to do that and then other, um, and then just started to kind of do some creative things outside of the old wheelhouse. Uh, started getting into video editing. I had never done that before. Um, started getting into power tools. I, I, I mean, my brother-in-law and I own a three-flat and uh, there a bunch of work needed to be done. And instead of hiring out some contractors, I was like, I've got plenty of time. I'll just do it. So I just kind of taught myself uh, how to do a bunch of things. And that's kind of how I got through the shelter in place. And since then, 
Uh, I've been doing some more rehearsals with other bands and things, you know, still working. Uh, but it's it's not been the end of the world, you know. I mean, it, it sucks, but, you know, we'll get through all this, you know, eventually. So we have to uh, stay positive and busy, which uh, you most certainly did. So so tell me about this. Can you relax? Are you a person that can sit still and, and just not do anything? Or do you always have to be creative? Uh, I have a hard time uh, just sitting still. But I do... I do and the older I get, I, I try to relax a little more, you know, and just do some, you know, meditating and things like that, um, uh, just for my own health's sake, I suppose. But uh, no, I just figure we only got, you know, an infinite an infinite amount of time on this planet, and I want to utilize that time as, as much as possible, you know, and to get things, you know, just to do things, especially music. And I mean, I dedicated my life to it a long time ago, you know, and I've just kind of stuck with it um, with no, no goal in mind except for to be able to create things, you know? Um, so yeah, just kind of stuck with that, you know? And then, like I said, Zeppelin two isn't really a creative endeavor. It's more of a, a, a financial endeavor. So that's, that's, that helps, uh, offset some of the other bands that aren't as uh, lucrative or, or at all lucrative <laughs> for that matter. Um, <laughs> which is totally fine. Cause that's not the, and the be all end all of it. Anyway, the only Zeppelin is Zeppelin definitely is, but the rest of them, no, that's okay. You know, <laughs> well, what are you drinking there? Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about uh, their lives, music, and craft beer. What are you drinking on your side there, Bruce? Well, that's funny that you mentioned this because I'll tell you what, that's another thing about uh, uh, COVID and the lockdown thing. Uh, I have been indulging in a lot of craft beer, quite a bit. I would say, you know, a few to uh, quite a few every night. And uh, every. C- maybe a couple times a year I like to take a little time off from not just drinking but just like health things like so I do like a no sugar no dairy no grain thing so I am not currently drinking craft beer I'm drinking some green tea because I'm currently in one of these sort of detox moments that you know that I do but I only do that so I can allow myself to get right back to my craft beer and other <laughs> kinds of alcoholic <laughs> beverages and uh, abuse my liver as much as possible but uh, yes today it's green tea Good for you. Good for you for taking the time to uh, reset your body so <laughs> Just that so can I take can... another punishment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh, boy. On my side, I am drinking or will be drinking La Tête d'Alignage. This is a double dry hopped IPA, double IPA, sorry, from uh, Sir John Brewing Company just outside Montreal in the Chute, Quebec. Sir John, I love them to death. Nice. Uh, this clock's in 8%. It is uh, not a rest for me tonight. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Tell me about craft beer. Uh, you, you mentioned that you drink them a lot. I do. Uh, are, does that mean you're, are you a craft beer enthusiast? Do you want to hear the whole history, or I want to hear your craft beer story? All right, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a long one. Um, so I've been drinking beer for a long time. I'm 48 years old. I probably, you know, my father gave me a beer. Nice. Uh, gave me one of his uh, old styles back when I was eight or nine years old to sip off of. I took more than a sip. I probably drank half the can and gave it back <laughs> to him because I really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, been drinking beer ever since. Uh, but about the time I was about 18 or 19 years old, um, this is probably, we're talking about 89, 90. And uh, the quality beer that was out there on the market was things like Moosehead and Heineken. Oh, those were the, those were the, you know, the, the, you know, the big beers to drink. And in 1992, a friend of mine 
I was I was down in the city hanging out in Chicago, and he's like, "Hey, man, you want to go for a beer?" And I wasn't of age yet, so I, I was you know not reluctant to walk into a bar. I, I was pretty ballsy. I would kind of do it anyway most of the time, but I was kind of like, "Yeah, man, you know, I'm not 21, whatever." He's like, "Oh, I got this place we can go, dude. It's just, it's a brewery. They make their own beer, and they have these kick-ass potato chips." And I was like. They they what make their own beer and I it didn't really register and we went to this place and it happened to be uh, I think at the time the only uh, craft brewery in Illinois it's a company called Goose Island uh, which you might have heard of at this point um, and we sat in the basement away from the bar because I was underage and some server served me what was a Honker's Ale which was their flagship uh, English bitter and uh, I. I mean, it was like one of those like just just one of those moments that you had like the first time maybe you heard Metallica or something. Uh, it just it completely like blew my mind. I was like, "What in the fuck is this? What am I drinking?" It was so fresh, and I mean, it, I couldn't believe it. And I and I found out later on that I really uh, I was uh, I, I really uh, got a treat there uh, going in '92 because the original brewer from Goose Island Brewing. Uh, the brew pub is this guy Victor something I can't remember, but people talked about him for years as being like one of these like really early kind of craft beer pioneers, and I happened to have one of his beers like early on. It was it was fucking amazing. It was so good. Anyway, my my life was changed from there on out as far as beer and alcohol was concerned. I I if I went out for a, a beer at a bar, I was either at the time in the ninety early nineties. If I got a craft beer, that was great. You had your Anchor Steam products. You had a little later was like the Sierra stuff, um, but otherwise I was drinking like English, you know, English beers like the Boddingtons or Old Speckled Hen, uh, Sam Smith stuff. I mean anything, anything that was not American or North American for that matter. You know, just kind of the run of the mill macros. You know, I was just trying to kind of avoid that shit, and then I ended up moving down this block from this really awesome liquor store that was really going out of their way to find all of these uh, craft beers at the time, like later '90s and things. And it was just, it was awesome. And I was, you know, just drinking that stuff. And then around 1996, I had this this awesome thing happen. My friend ended up starting to work at the Goose Island Brew Pub, and he hit me up one day and was like, "Yo." Uh, do you want to come and be a server here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, I do. You know, this is 1996. <laughs> I was only a server for five months, and then they put me behind the bar, and I worked there for ten years. Wow. And it was a really, really like awesome time to work there because uh, the Chicago craft beer scene, as we know it now, a lot of a lot of people went through that system of Goose Island. Then there was the Siebel Brewing Institute as well. Um, they had a classroom in Goose Island for a while, so a lot of these brewers that like went on to like Revolution, Half Acre, Metropolitan, they all went through the system. Like while I was there, I was their bartender. Like if they were there for lunch for during the day, they would go to class at Siebel or like work in the brewery downstairs and then come up and have lunch and hang out. I mean, the, the owner of Revolution, Josh, and I have been friends for twenty years because you know he was a brewer at Goose and he would just come up and hang out and we would drink together and whatever. Um, so that was really a really awesome experience. And I worked there from like 96 to 06. Uh, the only thing, the only downfall of, of that was I burned myself out on a lot of craft beer for a while. Um, I was like anti-IPA for a million years after that, just because I, I, I'd had so much of it, you know. And, um, yeah, and then fast forward, uh, I still enjoyed craft and beer kind of outside of the macro world. Although I start, I also did like the real shitty macros, like the hams, 
not so much the PBR, old style, uh, shit like that. You know, and I know there's Canadian old style too. I like that as well. So I, I like them both. But uh, yeah, Belgian beers mostly. But then during COVID, I went fucking hazy IPA crazy, and I was like <laughs> drinking it. I was like, I mean. I was kind of getting back into the IPAs the last couple of years, but man, th- during COVID, it's been it was it's been nuts. Um, uh, War Pigs, Foggy Geezer is my number one hazy IPA for sure. Uh, my friend Eric Ogershock, he's the U.S. brewer. That's that it's the Three Floyds McKellar That's collab. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, he actually lived in Chicago. Um, I delivered a pizza to him one night during the lockdown. No and way. My tip, well, beyond, besides just cash, I got a six pack of Foggy Geezer too. So I was like, fuck yeah, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, such a good beer. And I mean, shout out to him. You know, he's he's a great, he's a great dude. Killer brewer. He's from, he actually came from Real Ale down in Texas. And War Pigs kind of like plucked him and made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And uh, yeah, anyway. That was kind of that's 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 the uh, sort of my craft beer story. I, I skipped ahead a lot of years, but you know, from '92 to modern day, um, yeah. That's that's a, a fucking epic craft beer story. I like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, La Tête dans les Nuages from Sir John's is absolutely delicious. It is uh, up there with probably some of my top hazies at the moment happening up here in Montreal. Awesome. There's a few uh, breweries up here in Montreal that are just killing it and uh, Sir John is one of them on the haze. Uh, let's transition into music now. Uh, take me back. You just told me your your beer story, your craft beer story. I want to hear the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardian's house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? So uh, my parents were uh, the type of music listeners that threw the radio on in the car and whatever was playing was whatever was playing. It was kind of like background uh, for either of them. My, my mom was like a huge Elvis fan um, in the house, but not so. I mean, we just just the remnants of the records were there. We didn't really she didn't spin the records anymore at that point. You know, this is in the 70s, um, which I, I own all those LPs now, actually. But uh, otherwise, it was like it was modern rock radio of the 70s, which is basically classic rock sans throw a few 80s and 90s, you know, rock songs in there. And, you know, your McCartney, Wings, Zeppelin, uh, Aerosmith, all that stuff was like what was kind of going through, you know, filtering through my brain when I was when I was a smaller little nerd. And uh, that's kind of where it started. But then my teen years, like 12 or 13, there were some friends in the neighborhood who I'm still friends with today. Like one had an older sister who turned us on to Van Halen and Kiss and uh, ACDC. You know, and then my one friend, Dan Riggler, his, it was crazy. It was the mid eighties. And he had some cousins that lived in like, in like rural Wisconsin who had like, they had their pulse on the finger of metal in like 1984 so like the dude was showing up with like some crazy shit like i'm wearing a wasp t-shirt right now wasp wasp uh helix crocus all this like i mean we are we were already into priest and maiden and all that stuff but this was like it was like a little especially for some kids kids i grew up in orland park which is actually a suburb outside of chicago moved to the city like 27 years ago you know but that's, I mean, out there, it would define that kind of stuff, you know, out in the burbs is a kind of a big deal. No one ever heard of those bands at all. 
And then, of course, you know, the big day was in February of 1986 when this friend, my friend Dan, came back and was like, yo, you ever heard this band called Metallica? And we're all like, no. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, my cousins are freaking. They got a new album coming out. And the new album's called Master of Puppets. And it wasn't out just yet. And it came out the month, the week after my birthday. And I picked it up when I was 14. And that was, uh, that's the uh, another life changer, just like that Honker's Ale, man. You know, Master of Puppets just took my head off. But more than just that record was like what was in the credits was all the bands that they thanked. Like they thanked Exodus and they thanked, I think, I think uh, Last Rocket got thanked and all these, you know, I just started to kind of, you know, not internet it, but go down these like these underground rabbit holes. Like who the fuck is this band, this band? And the next thing you know, like, you know, someone's, we- oh, but those guys wear Misfits shirts or like, and I was like, who the fuck are the Misfits? Or like then somehow Slayer came into the picture and then you know, Anthrax, the Big Fork, or Megadeth, all the, the feud, you know, and all that shit. So that was, like, a big part of my life. And then I started working at a record store in, like, late 80s. And um, I knew there was more to life than just metal. I know that's sacrilegious, sort of. But uh, I knew there was more. Absolutely than, not. But, I, I, yeah. But at the time, I mean, actually, the, the metal scene in Chicago, it was, like, metal or die, for sure. And I was like, man, there's more than than just that. So I worked at the store, man, and like all of a sudden I was listening to all kinds of shit, like crazy British pop music. Um, I started looking into jazz more. Uh, even like you know, dabbled in, you know, I know this like freaks people out when I say, it, but like the Grateful Dead for a second. But that led me to other other things, you know, like Ornette Coleman, who's a you know a jazz improviser who played with the, the Dead. would sit in with them occasionally and shit. So yeah, just kind of like opened my, you know, my my world as far as music went and that's kind of like how I I saw things. Like music to me was just this I mean this wide open space of all this fucking awesomeness, you know, and wasn't just metal or jazz or, you know, country or whatever. I just saw it as one huge thing and just kind of you know, oh, I like this, oh, I like this, oh, I like oh, I don't like that. You know, like just and you just kind of pick and choose and it's just like i mean yeah and, to, and i'm kind of stuck with that to this day you know and still love things you know like that i mean I, my spotify goes from like i was listening to king diamond today the eye i love that record and then literally two seconds later i'm throwing on like the kenneth anger lucifer rising soundtrack you know it's like i, I don't care or then i'm cutting to like you know charles mingus record or whatever you know it's just like it just whatever you know the mood whatever works for the mood you know and that's just kind of how my listening habits are. Um, Is that how it developed into becoming so hungry to be creative as well? To be able to fill all these needs? Maybe. Of, to, all these genres? <laughs> I guess so. I don't, yeah, I, I suppose, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's where, yeah, I never... I don't know. I never really, I never thought about it. Yes, because it's, it's normally normally it's the drummer that's in so many projects. But you're not that guy. You're, you're you're creative, and each of these projects are extremely different from one another. And and as you're mentioning all these varied interests of yours, it, it seems to make sense to me that you're just always searching to to scratch that different itch. Yeah, yeah, kind of am. I mean, one thing. I mean, with. With playing the saxophone, I was going to say it's been really nice over, especially the last twenty years or so. Um, uh, it's really welcomed in a lot of different uh, styles of music, even heavy shit. I mean, I, I fucking got up with Napalm Death last last year and ripped the. I know they've had Zorn on a record before, but like you know, from that extreme to this uh, like sort of like dubstep band called the High Life Savant from Chicago, where I played on that as well too. You know, what I'm saying like. Uh, it, it really lends me to kind of get inside different, different, different things, you know. 
Um, and that's been really great because I mean, I, I, it's not about like, oh, it's all about me. I just love being able to contribute something to something that's already kind of there. You know what I mean? And just you know, just kind of just kind of ease in. I don't want to step on people or any of that kind of shit. That's not my personality, you know. But like, just kind of like contribute and hopefully you know add something to it that maybe wasn't there before that is hopefully has some kind of you know merit that is worthy i suppose you know i don't know hmm. i want to go back uh, you mentioned that you guys sheltered at home yakuza all together all your partners agreed to this uh they must understand be very understanding and amazing people <laughs> to let yeah. you guys go and do that it's uh they must know that this project is very important to you all yes and that you would have been miserable <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> yes if you didn't get to get that out of you yeah i mean we've been a band for 20 years and uh jim who plays drums and i have been in the band for the for the entire 20 years matt's been in the band for 17 drummer bass players in three or four but yeah they totally got it they knew and i mean it wasn't like we were just going to practice and sheltering together. We also all had jobs. So we were already like doing, we were already outside working, doing things, you know, but we, you know, we took all the, all the precautions that were needed just to not, you know, fuck with anyone else's life. But yeah, this was a really important thing. It really did help a lot too, seriously, just kind of have something that meant something huge to us. You know, we just once a week kind of thing, you know, to get together, but yeah, it, it it really it really did me a lot for sure. That's amazing. That's amazing, and I'm I'm stoked to hear that. I hope that uh, you guys are coming closer to having it finished. Oh, we're yeah, we're demoing now, so we're Sick. we're we're it's, like I said, it's one. It was it was the the finishing of the writing process needed to happen during the during the lockdown stuff, and now it's demoing, and then it's recording, and then it'll come out, and hopefully by then this will all be lifted, and we can. You know, maybe we'll share a stage together or something. That would be very cool. Yes, I would love that. Yeah, totally. Let, let's dance into uh, the tribute band, Led Zeppelin. You being so creative and having so many itches to scratch, did you ever think that you had to be Robert Plant? No, not even <laughs> close. No. In, yeah, in fact, that project wasn't even meant to be a Led Zeppelin thing or even more than a like a one-time deal you know um the guitar player that's still in the band his name's paul and i and a couple other guys we actually got together um to uh do black sabbath songs we called ourselves black sabbath and it was a one-time <laughs> halloween deal and we wouldn't play any of like the known ozzy mm -hmm. hits you know uh no fucking you know no paranoid no iron man no, none of that stuff we only i think we played we only played like four tunes and it was like Hole in the Sky, Hand of Doom. Uh, I wanted to do something like Off Technical Ecstasy, but those dudes I had to fight them on that. They weren't going to go that deep, <laughs> unfortunately. But, uh, you know, stuff that wasn't just, you know, the old, same old, same old. And uh, we did that, like, actually, we did it once. People really liked it, so they, they asked us to do it again. And right after we did this, like, they were like, man, fuck this. Like, I don't know. I was already like, <laughs> let's do the Dio era. And that was like, and, and the guitar, our guitar player was like, no way. I'm like, come on. That's, that's the shit, you know? And so forget it. That was, we're done with that. But while we were rehearsing for the second gig, we started fucking around with Zeppelin, just, uh, just kind of like on a goof. And we did the first three, three songs off his of graffiti. And they were all like, dude. You sound like Robert Plant. I'm like, no, I don't. I, no, I sound like Ozzy doing Robert Plant. And I didn't think it at all. But then we, we ended up, instead, the next Halloween, we decided to do the Zeppelin thing. We didn't even have a name. We didn't call ourselves Led Zeppelin 2. And, uh, you know, we just did it. 
and people lost their shit. Again, we did not do any Zeppelin hits. No Stairway, no Cashmere, no nothing. We were like, you know, we did In the Light. We did fucking a lot of stuff off Physical Graffiti, but like definitely on the back end of the record. Um, stuff that wasn't, you know, I don't know. And and people went crazy over it. So then we're like, well, maybe we should do this every Halloween. So we did a couple more Halloweens. It was so much effort for one show that we decided, like, maybe we should do it a couple times a year instead. So we did it that way. And then next thing you know, we do it three or four times a year. The money's pretty good. Hey, maybe we should. And we started, like, kind of drawing bigger crowds. And it just kind of snowballed into this thing. And we ended up finally getting up to where we played the House of Blues in Chicago. It was, like, 1,200 50 capacity and we like sold it Beautiful. out without, Beautiful room. yeah right killer room and sold it out like flat like first time through and that was it right like all of a sudden like agents that never gave a shit about any of my bands are calling me going <laughs> hey I heard the Zeppelin band's doing really well you need an agent <laughs> and I'm like really fuck you I'm like Yakuza no we don't want that band we'll take the Zeppelin <laughs> band instead I'm like no you get both or nothing I was trying to like parlay that thing and that didn't work anyway whatever um. Yeah, and it just kind of snow. It just kind of snowballed into a thing. Where then we just like started doing other. I mean, it was a lot of House of Blueses. Honestly, it was like Dallas and Houston. And then we're going to Boston to play Paradise, and it just became a thing. And then here we are. That was like twelve years ago, and now we're 2020. And yeah, we're like I said, we did 25 shows this year before COVID hit, and you know. I'm grateful that we at least got to do that. You know, I mean, I know a lot of musical folks and friends that, you know, are just suffering because they can't even get to a guitar, let alone play a gig, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, grateful that that happened, you know. That's that's a crazy, another crazy story. Very, very interesting. It, it must have been sort of, as you mentioned, you tried to, to wrangle Yakuza and teach the deal. Deals, it must have been very frustrating and hard to swallow at that point to have all these people hitting you up a little bit yeah you know i don't i don't think like that anymore but at the time yeah i was kind of like whoa like i've been you know my other band i've been working at for a million years and now i'm throwing a blonde wig on and doing this this thing and uh i you know i was like you know yeah it did kind of bother me a little bit but at that at that time but nah not at all anymore then and then it kind of became a thing where i realized like oh and then what was cool is a couple of years later, Sanford Parker, my friend from uh, Circle of Animals and Corrections House, and he's an engineer of all the Yakuza records, we started a small label called War Crime, able to put out my solo records, his solo records, some other things. And so then I started to look at it like, well, the earnings I make from Zeppelin too, they're, you know, they're still humble and meager and whatever, but there's a little bit there. I can kind of like put that back into the projects that matter to me, you know? So that's the way I've always looked at it, you know? And that's, that's kind of how I... And then... I mean, the Zeppelin thing's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I do like dressing up and I do like performing. It's 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 cool, you know. And I it fully, it, it's whatever. It is what it is. Like I said, the fact that it can it can you know somewhat finance the other stuff, great. That sweetens the deal even more so. So, did you ever do theater in high school? Were you a part of any of the plays? Nope. So where where did this this getting into character, putting on a show, because it's a real show versus yeah. when you, you go up on stage and you perform with anyone else because yeah. you're really stepping into a character. Yep. I, man, no. I was a total fucking metal punk shithead in high school. <laughs> I was not part of the, the I was not part of the drama club. I dated a girl in the drama club, but 
you know, only because they had they always had the best parties. They always had good drugs and they always had a lot of booze. So like that's why we that's why we hung out. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I didn't. I don't. I just you know. I mean, obviously, I watched Songmates the same a million times growing up. And I mean, I I did Zeppelin was a thing for me for a while when I was a teenager. You know, kind of pre Metallica, but like I did love that band for sure. I mean, I still respect them. You know, immensely, of course. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just started to kind of. You know, someone jokes with me like, "Oh, do you sit in front of the mirror with a hairbrush and do the moves?" And I'm like, "Kinda, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> but not with a hairbrush." But I, I think about it a little bit. I'm like, "Well, all right." I like, I'll look. I'm like, "Why don't like? Is this look stupid if I do it like this?" And I'm like, well, "It kind of looks like plant a little bit." All right, oh, okay. You know, whatever. It's more about the sound anyway. I mean, like, the, the the visual is one thing. You know, I'm not saying like we don't have like really insanely bright lights because it's obvious that we're not them. You know, so we just give you kind of a, a hint of us, you know? I mean. Which is wise. <laughs> right, right? So, you know, uh, I, Robert Plant was like 148 pounds. I am not. So, you know, I'm, I'm a couple I'm a couple pounds heavier than that. Not, not crazy, but, you know. Anyway, we just want to give you, you know, I don't want to take away the illusion, but, you know, it is an illusion for sure. <laughs> you, you guys have been doing these these parking lot shows. I wanted to talk about that. We just did one. Heard a lot about them. I haven't seen one. I've imagined playing them. How was that for you? And how, what were your thoughts going into it? I want to hear about the whole thing. Okay. Um, it was here in Chicago, like downtown Chicago, um, a place called Adler Planetarium. It's right off the lake. It was in the parking lot. Um, they were having a whole series. Uh, I, I was thrilled. I mean, all of us were. We were like, wow, we get to play a show. And you know, a friend of ours um, lives pretty close to there, so he like kind of biked over and took some photos. It was like, man, this looks legit. It was like a huge stage, full on PA. I mean, it was like a, definitely a festival style stage, you know. So we were like, okay. And so it was an evening with with us, and they were like, can you play two and a half hours? We're like, yeah, totally. We'll totally play two and a half hours. And you know, we've played enough shows. I mean, we've, we've played a lot of shows with like a lot of people, and we've played a lot of shows where there's not a lot of people. You know, so I'm used to, I'm used <laughs> to both. And this was uh, interesting because there were cars. There were people like sitting outside of their cars. They're like sitting in lawn chairs, distant. You know, so there was clapping and things, but not not like a like a full on festival show. But people were like honking their horns and flashing their brights, and I was I was kind of egging them on. I was I loved it. I thought I was like fuck yeah, let's just get nuts, you know. But um, it was fun. I mean, it was it was nice to be on a real stage again, you know. Seriously, that was the main thing, and I was able to employ some friends here in Chicago, uh, sound people and uh, uh, merch people and stuff. So that was that was cool. Always grateful to be able to do that kind of thing. But yeah, it was real. It was it was it was a lot more fun than I expected, you know. And people were people were into it. It. Um, it wasn't, it was, it was pretty well attended. They were hoping for more, but also like we have a pretty heavy suburban crowd that comes to see us. And uh, apparently there were a lot of no shows because they were kind of scared to come into the city because of all of the looting and the rioting and things like that. So we had, you know, we didn't, that was the only thing, but we're doing another one next month and out in the suburbs and that's already selling like crazy. And I was like, to me, that blows my mind. Like selling like crazy like what like it, it's they're like yeah we've already sold 50 cars i'm like wow and 50 cars that's like times six it's six people a car so i was like that's cool all right i mean yeah that's i guess that's the i don't know i mean that's like i said we were just kind of had fun with it and i mean during when moby dick was hilarious cause i'm literally like just like i want to hear you honk. <laughs> 
mean, they were honking their horns and they were like flashing their brights, you know. I mean, the- <laughs> 2020. Yeah, yeah. I, it was, it was, it was really funny. So I, I enjoyed it. So crazy crazy yeah, that's good to hear that it's, it's good to hear that uh people are still coming to shows and are still engaging and reacting in uh in in a way to, to still connect with the artists on stage absolutely I, I feel like right now people are so hungry i mean uh my girlfriend and i went to go see her friend play this show um kind of on this like it was just a, kind of like a street corner kind of set up smaller pa and there were still i mean socially distant but still like 50 or 60 people just came to hang out and watch the show and we were just like happy to be together just to do you know to to, to watch a performance you know a friend playing and it was it was really awesome and i just yeah i'm really getting this sense people are just itching to like they just you know they want some normalcy back and that's one of the things that really makes you feel kind of normal again is going to see some live music and and playing live music for that matter you know i mean boy we could all we could all use that on a more regular basis <laughs> we, we, we need we need those goosebumps yeah Hell yeah, <laughs> for sure. Did you, uh, was uh, just to ask you, uh, did the Metallica drive in thing happen in Montreal over the weekend? It did happen just outside of Montreal in Saint Eustache, next to my hometown of De Montagne. Cool. Did they, you know anybody that went? Did you go or? I did not go, but there's some of my friends that did went that that did go, and they said they had a good time. So. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. I didn't go either. I had some friends in Chicago. I saw some like Instagram posts and stuff, and they said it was pretty cool. They said it was really fun. And I was like, oh man, I, that's, that sounds cool. I, I, you know, kudos to Metallica for you know once again throwing their name out. That exactly, I, you know it. I mean, <laughs> always that, but also too, just I mean, they're I mean, the one metal band that can do this. You know what I mean? Like nobody else will ever be able to pull this kind of shit off ever. In our lifetime, probably, I think, you know, I mean, just, just my humble opinion, but they are brilliant. Yeah. No, mad respect, (laughs) of course. So good for them. Yeah. Two more questions. One being, if you could make your own beer or if you already have, please correct me and tell me what it was. But if you had a Bruce Lamont brew, what style would it be and what would it be called? I did do a beer (laughs) one time when I worked at Goose Island. Uh, It unfortunately did not work out so well. Um, we called it uh, we called it the Tavern Pale Ale, and what it was based off was was I wanted to do a craft beer version of like Schlitz, um, and just because that's what I was kind of like that was kind of my shitty beer at the time that I would drink, <laughs> and I wanted something a little 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 more on the fresh side. Um, would I say that today? No, it totally be I would totally do like a hazy IP. There's this brewery called uh, Wake Brewing out of uh, Rock Island, Chicago. You know Wake. Yeah. Yes. Um, they asked the Yakuza to do a collaborative beer, and so we've been kind of kicking it back and forth. I think we're going to end up doing some kind of like some kind of Russian Imperial or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm really into the like the bourbon barrel age kind of stuff. You know, just I'm, at Goose Island was a big bourbon county stout thing. You know, um, we talked about it as a band, and like I think that's something we'd do as a band. It was, if it was my choice, probably more of an IPA, but I'm down with stouts too. So you know, whatever. Uh, hazy IPA. Maybe I can get the guys from Three Floyds to, you know, help me out. I say I gotta keep. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna start. Start throwing out the. I guess start throwing out the shout outs to all the breweries. Please do, please do, and I, I want all these breweries if they are listening. That says who. If just because you're with a metal band doesn't mean you have to make a big heavy stout. You can still be metal and extreme without it being a huge stout. I was gonna say my 2019 craft beer was definitely Pilsners more than anything. Like craft beer Pilsners, you know, like the, the Pony Pils from Half Half Acre. Was that Crispy Boys are back? Yep. Yeah. Totally. 
I mean, yeah, that's that was like kind of the jam. But then, like I said, just because of COVID, just transitioned into hazy IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> and one last question, Bruce. Uh, you're you're not getting it right now because you're on a cleanse, a detox, a purifying reset of your body. But when it does happen, what is your hangover cure? <laughs> oh, do you really want to know? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, a shot of Jepsen Malort. Have you had Malort before? I have not. No, it's a Swedish liqueur. Um, it's a company that was it was it was based as called Jepson was based out of Chicago. Um, it's it's this really bitter uh, kind of like a either aperitif or digestive kind of like vibe. Um, uh, but I've been doing it shots for forever, and it's kind of a Chicago thing. They moved to Florida. And then the company got sold to a, a smaller uh, uh, distillery company here in Chicago called CH. They bought it. They they took over the they took over the recipe and they're making it now. It's kind of a Chicago thing. Most people find it totally vile and disgusting. It's kind of a cross between like grapefruit juice and gasoline. Uh, <laughs> I I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, a couple shots of that in the morning, or in the afternoon, or or in the evening. That's my that'll be my hangover cure for. <laughs> For this podcast, <laughs> there you go. See, that's the first time I've gotten that one. Thank cool. you, Bruce. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your crazy musical schedule. <laughs> oh man, to, to sit down with me and to uh, chat about your life, music, and of course, craft beer. I, I really, really appreciate it. Everyone, if you can, go go to uh, check out Led Zeppelin 2. Get ready for a new uh, Yakuza record. Uh, I'm super stoked about it, and uh, you guys should be too. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What a great chat with Bruce. I love digging into creative people's mindsets, seeing where they get all their influences from, see where they get all of that creative energy to keep putting out just new, innovative projects. I love that. It's something that I strive to do. So I love to dig and uh, dive deeper into the minds of people that do that to help inspire myself and I hope that you guys felt a little bit inspired to go out there and create something new after listening to this episode as well. Massive cheers and thanks to Bruce. Such a great time hanging out with you, and I am sincerely looking forward to that new Yakuza record. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I have one more episode coming at you this coming Friday. Don't forget that Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I'll be back on Friday, everyone. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.